Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. I had not seen this before, but it was the um, a, a full, like, I guess it was an hour-long program, but I was just watching the edited version at uh, the Spectrum News website called The the Last Whistle. Uh, it's like a 40-something minute piece done by Tim Boyum about the, uh, the closure of that paper mill in uh, Canton, west of... Uh, west of Asheville. Uh, really well done. Really well done. So I was just watching that this morning, and it kind of, uh, it's kind of related to a lot of the topics that, that kind of just, I don't know, they coalesced around sort of this business topic idea, this industry and such, because the the state is working on its budget, and they're like two weeks um, late, past the deadline of when they, you know, were aiming to have their state budget done. Um, and the reason why, or one of the reasons why, is apparently this $1.43 billion economic development plan that they're calling NC Innovation. And, of course, there's no space between the the C and the I, so it's like NC Innovation. So it's all one word, because they're just, it's so, it's so, you know, technologically advanced they don't have any time to have a space in between the letters nc and innovation so they just put them all together that's how fast they're moving because it's you know it's high tech anyway a state budget proposal with bipartisan support would give more than 1.4 billion dollars to a nonprofit organization with high-powered leadership that says it wants to boost north carolina's economy by ramping up innovation what could go wrong? Um, this is a piece by our pal Travis Fain over at WRAL, which is owned by the Capital Broadcast Company, which is actually one of the backers. Uh, the parent company is one of the backers of this initiative with money. Like their founders are kicked in money because there's a private uh, fundraising component to the uh, to the deal as well. But if this thing gets approved. It would be the largest infusion of taxpayer money into a non-state entity in North Carolina's history. Again, what could go wrong? He writes, it's a big bet on the state's future. Supporters see it as a way to spur economic growth through high-tech companies. Opponents see it as a money suck and argue that the proposed funding could be used for other priorities. Yeah, $1.43 billion can be used for a lot of other priorities. Um, the funding would help university researchers turn ideas and discoveries into companies that would have to stay in the state at least five years, potentially bringing more jobs and tax revenue to the state. So this is, there's this... Uh, uh, there's this gap that they they identifies the uh, between like the research and then you know getting the the venture capital to start up a business to uh, to bring it to market. So there's this gap that they they say exists and they are wanting to fill it. 
Now, they want to partner up with uh, four different universities in the state, not UNC and not Duke, because apparently they already do similar programs like this. UNC Charlotte is one of the the schools that they want to uh, they want to work with. So the idea is uh, the cash infusions go out as grants. NC Innovation would also help researchers through the process of setting up a business and building the business. Because there's one thing that, you know, that, you know, government-funded folks know. It's how to build businesses. Anyway, no, the look, some of the people that are involved, they are entrepreneurs and they are business folks. That's where this is coming from. Neither NC Innovation nor taxpayers would get an... Uh, well, he says would not get, and so it doesn't seem like we're, taxpayers and NC Innovations not getting any kind of an equity stake. It seems like, so you're not going to be part owner of all these businesses. State universities, though, they, according to Fane, they generally get a slice of the profits um, if they if it was their research that ends up going to market, and that would stay in place. But the percentages vary, I guess, based on what school and what kind of research. Without this sort of help, supporters say, too many ideas wither in what's known as the valley of death. Not to be too hyperbolic about it, but the valley of death. They call it in investment circles. He says the space between the lab and the venture capital markets that are looking for polished ideas to invest in. There is, they've already got a chief executive for NC Innovation, Bennett Waters. The state Senate has their uh, budget proposal, and they're putting in $1.4 billion for the project. Over on the House side, they like the idea, and uh, rather than $1.4 billion, they're suggesting $50 million. <laughs> So there's a bit of a, <laughs> there's a, speaking of valleys of death, there's a, there's a bit of a gap between what the Senate is willing to do and what the House is willing to do. Governor Cooper likes the idea, too. Bennett Waters with NC Innovation says that they got to have the $1.425 billion. That's the, quote, minimally acceptable amount, which I would disagree. I think the minimal uh, acceptable amount is zero. <laughs> I think that's, that's acceptable to me. Um, but he says you got to have $1.425 billion because that's going to create the endowment and it funds it in perpetuity and so then they just take essentially the uh the the interest and the the market growth because you know you invest this money and then you just live off of the revenue that's generated off of the 1.4 billion and then that goes out the door as grants they they could spend 106 million dollars a year on grants if you do a smaller investment then the program goes bankrupt in about um, in about a year, or sorry, in about a decade. Yeah, in about a decade, if you do less than that. So they want to keep it going in perpetuity. They got uh, reserves targeted. So we got a lot of money in our reserves for the, all the rainy days, and uh, they, they're like, hey, we can take $1.425 billion out of the reserve, one-time transfer, put it into this endowment, and then it just spits off this income and we use that to fund this valley of death bridge i guess a bridge over the valley of death or maybe it's a zip line it's a zip line over the valley of death it feels like 
typical sales stuff to me said senator jim perry he's a republican he's one of the lead uh, he's in leadership um and he's from Lenore, or as I call it, Lenoir, uh, North Carolina. And one of the more vocal critics, he says, they mentioned that they're going to improve the economy in all 100 counties. I mean, wow, that's amazing. Like, almost snake oil-like. <laughs> John Locke Foundation, they're against it. They came out um, uh, in, in several different ways. And on Twitter a couple of days ago, uh, Donald Bryson, who is the... Uh, who's the president of the John Locke Foundation, got into a, a sparring match yet again with Brent Woodcox, who works for Senator Berger. And Woodcox is attacking the John Locke Foundation uh, over their opposition to this because the John Locke Foundation is a conservative think tank, and they say, look, you're, you're picking winners and losers. You shouldn't be doing that. Government should not be in this business of picking winners and losers in the marketplace with taxpayer dollars. It has a... It's got a very poor track record of doing so, according to Brian Balfour, who was um, quoted by Travis Fain in this piece. And, you know, Woodcox attacking Bryson. This is the second time this has happened um, that I'm aware of, where he went, Woodcox went after uh, Bryson over the Medicaid expansion deal that the Republicans cut. And so when, when, when the Locke Foundation is coming out and saying, hey, this, these aren't conservative policy proposals you guys are doing. Um, he gets this, he, he gets savaged on, on Twitter by some of the Senate leaders' people, specifically Brent Woodcock. So, uh, so that occurred the other day on this proposal as well. It's got a lot of big name people behind it. Fane lists Kelly King, the retired CEO of Truist Financial. Um, chairing a board made up of business leaders, four university chancellors, and the president of the UNC system, Peter Hans. Jamie Diamond is in on this, the chief executive of J.P. Morgan Chase. Um, they got nine lobbyists walking the halls up in Raleigh. Right, so this is one of the big, uh, the big proposals that's that's gumming up the budget right now. And so I'm curious. I'll explain some of the details on how it works, but I'm curious if you like this idea. Oh, and before I forget, have you got your ticket to the Heritage Life Skills event yet? I'll be there. The annual event is put on by Carolina Readiness Supply, and you can learn all sorts of ways to be better prepared and self-sufficient in the event of any emergency. Things like homesteading, canning, water storage, radio communications, herbal remedies, home defense, fermenting vegetables. I'll be there Saturday evening. Check out the schedule at carolinareadiness.com. This is what Carolina Readiness Supply does. For beginners all the way to the most experienced preppers, Carolina Readiness can help you. Get your tickets now at carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? So we're talking about this NC Innovation idea it's part of the budget battle going on up in raleigh and the idea is from the senate side at least is to fund it to the tune of 1.43 billion dollars and uh, create an endowment in perpetuity which would then kick off more than 100 million dollars a year that would be handed out via grants to try to get uh, uh, innovation projects research ideas try to get those things across the valley of death which is like venture capital. It's to fund these ideas, turn them into businesses, and you got to stay uh, in the area, or it'll be tied to a school. They'll draw like these zones around these particular colleges, and you got to keep the business there for at least five years. Uh, and the idea is like, let's 
let's get our research to market. The stuff that's coming out of these, you know, college programs and the labs, get them uh, to market and fill the gap that the private venture capital uh, market is not uh, it's not covering right now. So what do you think of the idea? 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Uh, Billy, welcome to the program. Hey, Billy. Hey, I got an idea. Since okay. uh, one group wants uh, $1.5 billion, another group wants to give them 500000 I have a solution to that. Now, this is very, very, very complicated, so stay with me here. Okay. Um, grant them the 750 right? Create the endowment. Then the profits that these businesses are going to create, since all these ideas come from the colleges, and they're, you know, they're gonna, they're gonna be winners. I mean, they gotta be, they gotta be winners. Use some of that profit to then go back into the endowment to in, get it increased to that 1.5 billion, so it could sustain itself. So it's sort of like a win-win. Now I know that's very overly complicated. You got to be a financial genius like me to come up with something like that. <laughs> but you know, that's a solution. So what I have learned now is that I, too, am a financial genius because I followed it. And if I can understand it, I guess that wow. makes, yeah, I, I guess I am, just, too. It's just amazing. I guess none of the people in, in government are financial geniuses. I, I'm, yeah. I'm shocked. Yeah. What's interesting also, I was going to say, what's interesting also is that the criticisms against conservative, uh, the conservative think tank, John Locke Foundation, was that, um, oh, you know, you guys just write white papers. You don't know what you're talking about. Like, we're doing the hard work of writing the policy. And it's like, yeah, they actually, they're in that world. Like, the, the, they're in the private sector. So, Well, well again, it, if, in fact, this is going to sustain itself because of all these ideas are the best, and I'm, I'm not against it, but why not? Make, you know, all parties have some skin in the game. The taxpayers, of course, are going to come out of pocket some, but not as much as desired. And then these successful programs can fund that endowment and even go further with it. I mean, that to me, you know, why should the universities get all of it? I I thought they were nonprofit, but I guess maybe I'm wrong. Uh, I don't know. Well, the yeah, wrong. so the well, the universities aren't. Uh, it doesn't seem like they're getting it. They uh, if they have researchers that make some breakthrough out of their lab, they do they do get a, a certain cut off of you know if it's like a patent or something, right? They'll get they, they do get some residuals, as I understand. It just depends on what the uh, on what the product or, or uh, service was. Hey, I appreciate the call, Billy. I think it's a good idea. Yeah, direct the money back in, and then once you get up to the one point five billion, then you're kicking off the. Uh, uh, the hundred million per year, uh, and the the taxpayers didn't have to come out of pocket all of it up front. Although the money is there, I mean it's sitting in a reserve. But that's for the rainy day, if we ever have one again. Uh, the state lawmakers, as they hammer out a budget deal, are looking to fund a uh, like a venture capital grant writing fund or an endowment. It kicks off over a hundred million a year uh, to help bridge the gap. The, the valley of death between ideas and discoveries that come out of colleges and getting them to market. Do you like the idea? I've got some messages uh, on the Twitter machine. Let me jump over here, though, and get John on. Hello, John. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for bringing these important uh, subjects up with Charlotte. So you do a great job. Well, um, first off, I think that we already had this um, discussion on a national level, on a national level, with Solyndra uh, and some of the other uh, wind farm. Uh, venture capitals that uh, we tried out on again on the federal level. Why should we be doing this at the state level? 
That, that, that's a fair question. And uh, apparently if you ask that question, you will be attacked by uh, members of the uh, leadership staff <laughs> in Raleigh. You know, just and, and the other thing is, too, why would we, um, why would we put our uh, tax dollars at risk? You know, if it was such a great deal, private business would already be doing it. Right. And so what they argue with the proponents of this uh, of this idea argue is that these things already exist in other states and uh, and at UNC, Chapel Hill and Duke University. They, they have very similar programs. The state has done similar types of programs like this in the past, and they need the big outlay of the money in order to just kick off the endowment or the uh, uh, the funding of the grants without ever uh, uh, without without ever touching the principle right of the of the initial outlay so it's sort of like okay it's reserve funding but you just park it over here so it generates this revenue and it it fills this gap where maybe it's a little too risky for the private sector so great ideas don't ever get to market because uh, there's no proof of concept and there's no money to fund that sort of thing yeah, I think the uh, my, my original comment still stands. You know, yeah. we should not be risking um, North Carolina tax funds for uh, these uh, ventures. And uh, you know, if uh, that's why you have sh- uh, programs like Shark Tank. <laughs> I guess that's my only comment. No, that's uh, have true. A great and yeah. a wonderful afternoon. You too. Thank you. Um, no, that's true. That's what Shark Tank has built. Right, the TV show. It is amazing how many products and services that we have now that came through that show even ones that weren't backed by any of the sharks you know they failed to get any deal done with any of the sharks but uh the product you know it got publicity people saw the product and learned about it and uh you know the business was successful afterwards it's it is a it's a very very successful capital venture program being run via shark tank right um couple of tweets here this is from my friend ray cooper on twitter it's a pete tweet he says the danger of using this money to set up an endowment that is self-sustaining instead of with yearly appropriations is that the legislature therefore taxpayers lose all of the control how often have we seen nonprofits have their boards taken over by those with an agenda that's a very good point the uh, this nonprofit apparently would not uh they would not be subject to a lot of the transparency rules that you know a government entity would so that has raised concerns also um the legislature uh doesn't really have direct control over this i think they were talking about setting up the board in a way where the legislators would be able to make appointments yeah the senate budget says 13 member board Eight members appointed by the General Assembly. Board members would not be paid, but they could have their expenses reimbursed. State employees and elected officials would not be eligible. Now, um, part of the legislation also says that the private sector has to raise $25 million towards this effort. And the head of NC Innovation, Bennett Waters, says they're already at $23 million either in hand or committed from major banks, along with Duke Energy, Blue Cross Blue Shield of North Carolina, other businesses, including Capital Broadcasting Company, the parent company of WRAL. They've donated money here as well. Um, Entities that get the grants 
would need to have their headquarters in North Carolina and operate in the state for at least five years, quote, to ensure that the benefit to the state outweighs the cost of the support. NC Innovation would help these groups develop university research out of at least four hubs. Okay, one of them, Western Carolina, East Carolina University is another, NC A&T, and UNC Charlotte. The state's top research universities, UNC Chapel Hill and Duke University, as well as NC State, they already have internal programs dedicated to doing this thing, turning applied research into commercial successes. Waters says, this is the guy from NC Innovation, he says that the plan is to require grant recipients to keep their businesses in the region, uh, a region around these four universities and uh, others that get added to the plan but the regional boundaries uh would still have to be drawn and and the idea is they would draw these up uh the board the nc innovation board would draw this up uh here is a tweet from get off my lawn um that's his name pete this is a horrible idea the last thing we need is more subsidies going to the universities they will no doubt divert all funds to woke projects that fail and would never be funded by the free market capitalism works and does not require government subsidies ah but crony capitalism doesn't always work without this kind of (laughs) uh project uh lauren says pete why wouldn't we do this uh why wouldn't we do this at the state level there's no authority at uh, the at the federal level for it. The question is, how much will the state recoup from the initiative? Well, that is, yeah. I mean, that's that's the unknown. If you, I mean, if you are limited by, you know, only the profit that comes off of the endowments, right? And that limits how much in grant money goes out the door each year. Then I guess. The argument is like you're not getting any new outlays of cash, theoretically, right? Hopefully they don't come back to the state and be like, oh, we ran into some problems or something. We need a little bit extra, you know. Our math was off. We need a bigger endowment. But if the idea is it's just kicking off the uh, the profits, you know, dividend, basically, it's just and that's what you're using to fund, then their argument is that the grants that go out that help create these businesses, those businesses then generate the revenue so the state makes a return because the revenue coming in right otherwise would not have been there that's the argument it and we all know government has a great track record on economic development so uh <laughs> well i mean say all pros and cons they have some misses here and there some misses here and there breaking news governor roy cooper my good friend ray has tested positive for covid in a tweet with the initials RC, which I assume means he wrote it himself. He says, I tested positive for COVID today, but thankfully it's mild and I'm feeling fine. I'm working remotely for the rest of the week and ready to be back out and about by the weekend. So Governor Cooper got the COVID. Is this this is this his first bout with the COVID? I'm trying to think back. I don't think he ever got COVID, right? While it was like, you know, while he's locking everybody down and telling everybody to get the shot so they don't get COVID, right? I don't think he ever got it. So this might be his first foray into uh, Rona land. Um, 
this NC innovation idea, the proponents of creating this endowment to basically get products and ideas uh, past the uh, the research and discovery phase, and you know get them into the commercial marketplace. Uh, at a you know they want to seed the endowment with 1.4 billion dollars taken one-time transfer out of North Carolina's reserve fund, and the supporters say other states have spent hundreds of millions of dollars on similar commercialization efforts, and that North Carolina is falling behind. They say the group, um, or sorry, they say that North Carolina is second behind Massachusetts among U.S. states when it comes to academic research and development. So we are number two. It makes sense. you got MIT, Harvard, right, up there. So makes sense, like, when it comes to academic research and development. But we're number two. But most of that money gets spent at Chapel Hill, Duke University, and NC State. And so this plan would focus efforts on other colleges, the four other uh, campuses, like UNC Charlotte being one, um, Western Carolina, Eastern Carolina, and North Carolina A&T. Now, the state has funded several uh, entities over the years with similar goals here, but they've done it at far lower funding levels. According to Travis Fain's piece at WRAL, during Governor Pat McCrory's administration, the state started its Venture Capital Multiplier Fund, which just rolls off the tongue, uh, tapping unclaimed property for funding. It was a $60 million fund. It was overseen by the treasurer's office, but it's fully invested, meaning there's no more money for any new investments. The treasurer's office also oversees the pension plan for state employees, which has almost $114 billion in it. Within that $114 billion, there is a $500 million innovation fund targeting companies with connections to North Carolina, but it's also fully invested. So there's no more money out of that account either. So this would essentially create right the, the, the endowment to kick off the money in perpetuity. This is part of the big fight in uh, Raleigh over the budget. We'll see where it goes. Now, the um, McClatchy papers, both the Raleigh News and Observer and the Charlotte Observer, uh, did, published a story about their business districts, specifically Uptown. Well, I guess in Raleigh, it's downtown. In Charlotte, it's uptown. Anyway, in Charlotte, new office towers are filling up, but older office buildings are having trouble drawing tenants. I went over this topic uh, a couple weeks ago. I think this is going to be a this is going to be a very big story, not just for Charlotte, but for downtowns all across the country. In Raleigh, the South Glenwood Entertainment District is bustling, but Fayetteville Street. Once the vibrant main street at the city's core is struggling with empty offices and vacant storefronts. These contrasts reflect the muddled conditions in the centers of North Carolina's two largest cities. Urban boosters and city officials are looking at ways to restore the vibrancy that drained out of the city since 2020 by the arrival of the COVID pandemic. I love this, right? No, no one's to blame. It's just COVID happened. And then, uh, you know, everybody left the cities. Everybody left downtown for some reason. That's a, There's never, it, 
Is it just COVID or was it our, re- our response to COVID, right? The pandemic spurred a major shift to more people working remotely and fewer coming into downtown business districts. Yes. Yes, indeed. And part of that, if not most of that, was driven by lockdown policy, right? The lockdown policy prompted that. The constant news conferences that Cooper was holding every single day contributed to that. That's on the cost side of the ledger. Since the pandemic began, I've been making this argument, and I'll continue to make it, which is in order to have an accurate accounting for whether the policies worked or not, you got to take a look at both sides of that ledger, right? There were trade-offs that were made, and there were people that made these decisions that they need to be asked and held to account, not as some sort of you know punishment, but so we learn not to ever do the thing that didn't work again. So in as much as some of these policies did not work and the costs were too great, right, we should identify those costs, tack them to the policies, and say, this is what occurred when you do that kind of a policy. Let's not do that again, right? That's the idea. By the way... Anchor Steam, the beer, going going belly up in San Francisco. I'll give more details in a minute. <laughs> 